Word for today, a ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. It is our prayer that the message from God's Holy Word would bring a new and deeper love for Jesus in your life. Good morning. It's good to be with you today, sharing God's Word with you this Sunday morning. I want you to stop and think for a moment with me today of the most godly thing that you can think of. The most godly thing that you can think of. What comes to your mind when you think of something godly? Maybe you have someone in mind who you would say, this person is a saint. If there is anyone who is godly, it would be this person. What's true about their life? What do you think of? A lot of times when we think about things that are godly, we think about uh, monasteries, maybe we think about monks, we think about those who uh, withdraw for, for silence and meditation, times of devotion, uh, spending uh, long hours in prayer or reading God's word. Uh, maybe you think of a pastor, someone who's shepherding and leading God's church, uh, someone who's able to, to share God's word and teach it and preach it. And maybe you think of someone who has uh, such a strong faith, maybe a faith that seems like it could move mountains. Maybe you think of someone who has a variety of different spiritual gifts and abilities. Seems like they're always active in the church, that, that there's nothing that they haven't been gifted by God to do. Uh, maybe you think of someone who's just so generous and giving of all that they have. They're, they're not only giving their life, but even all of, all of themselves to the work of the Lord, sacrificing themselves for Christ. And if we're honest, these are oftentimes the kind of things that we put up as our quote-unquote super godly ideal. But we see in our text today, 1 Corinthians 13, that God doesn't. God doesn't put those things as a super godly ideal. He doesn't set up those things as a, the peak ultimate thing to strive for as a believer. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, we hear a very different picture of godliness. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn there with me. We're going to look at that text and read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, looking at verses 1 through 8. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Heavenly Father, this is your word. And as we come 
and look at your truth today, your holy word. I ask and pray, Father, that you would do a work in our hearts. That you would draw us into your truth, that you would sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as you look at that list in front of you there that Paul gives, verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians 13, let me just say, there are some pretty impressive things listed there. Pretty impressive things listed there if if you were thinking about godliness. A, A heavenly language, being able to speak in the tongues of angels, having these prophetic powers, having extreme wisdom and all understanding, having a faith that could move mountains, giving everything, even your own body, to the Lord, sacrificing all you have. But we see here that Paul writes that that's not at the heart of godliness. It's not that these things are bad things. It's not that they shouldn't be things that we strive for as Christians, but it's not the goal. Those things are not the goal, and it is not the core of godliness. You see, friends, God doesn't care what we do. He cares how we do it. He doesn't so much care what we do, but how we do it. It doesn't mean that those things that we do aren't you know, somewhat important and necessary. But you can do a lot of, of quote-unquote, good things with the wrong heart. Think about the Pharisees. Those who were the, the closest to God physically, they were in the temple. They were worshiping Him. They, they were going through all the right motions. They were fasting. They were sacrificing. They were giving large offerings. All of the right things, but they're doing it with the wrong heart. And what does God say? Jesus says, woe to you, O Pharisees, because you look so great on the outside, but inside you're like a rotting corpse. God doesn't care what we do, but how we do it. It's important to Him. And at the very core of godliness is our attitude and our approach and how we do everything that we do. And we see here in these verses, the first three verses of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, that God's call for us, the thing that He wants us to strive for, the thing that He wants us to incorporate in our our hearts and lives, is to show love to one another. That is godliness, friends. You can understand all the things about this book, the Bible. You can give away all you have. You can fully sacrifice to Him. But if you don't have love, it doesn't matter. You're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You're no good for nobody if you don't have love. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, gosh, Pastor Olson, that seems really harsh. I mean, I know that God wants us to love, but that sounds kind of extreme. Why do you think it's important to Him? It is extreme. Why do you think so? Why would this be so essential to God that He would care about how we're doing things, that we're doing it in a heart of love? Friends, the reason is, is because this is the core of who God is. We hear in 1 John 4 that God is love. And for us as Christians, if we're going to strive to be godly, meaning like God in our lives and actions, we better be reflecting the very core of who God is. And if God is is love, 
And, and that is a part of everything that he does. And we are not showing that. Then, then really, we're not very godly at all. If we're not showing love for other people, even when they're undeserving of it, we're not really reflecting God's heart, are we? You see, this is the God who shows love even to those who are totally unworthy. Those who have rebelled against him, he shows love even to them. It says in Romans 5 that God demonstrates his love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of love that we're called to reflect and to have and this to be a part of who we are. It's often been said that that everyone has a reputation. And when you think of someone, there's oftentimes three or four things right away that come to your mind when you think about that person. And, and so I want to challenge you to think about that for you today. What's your reputation? Are you known as someone who loves others and cares for them? Are you known as someone who is, is loving even when those people may not love you back? A relentless heart of love for those around you. That's godliness, friends. That's reflecting our Heavenly Father and that what He does and how He acts. And we see in verse 4 that Paul shifts and he starts describing what that love looks like. I think, I think maybe for, for all of us here, we would probably say, oh yeah, I, I try to be a loving person or I'm showing love in my life. But what does godly love really look like when we show that verses four through seven love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And I want you to think about those with me this morning. As we think about trying to, to be godly, to be following closely with our, our Lord. What does it mean to have this kind of love? Think about with, with me for a second here some of those, those elements that Paul describes. Love is patient. What does that mean? Waiting for someone, not scoffing if they're taking a long time, uh, not, not harboring that against them. Uh, for, for some of you, you have uh, probably experienced this in your marriage. Uh, maybe for some of you women, your husband said, yeah, I'll be there in just a couple minutes. And an hour later, he's still tinkering with what he is tinkering with. Uh, maybe for some of you men, as so you're getting ready to come to church this morning, your wife is, is getting ready, and you're waiting. Love is patient. Love is patient. It's, it's not um, looking at the, the, the waiting and getting frustrated. It's not uh, trying to push and, and shove your own agenda. Um, it's patient with the other person. It's recognizing their position and, and walking alongside with them. And one of the avenues that we experience this probably the most is in parenting. Now, our kids aren't even physically able to do some of the things that we're able to do. They're not able to walk as fast as we are. 
are not able to, to think as fast as we are about certain things. And sometimes their maturity level is, is less and they get easily animated and excited. What does it mean to show patience toward those around us? It means realizing where other people are coming from. Maybe it's different than you. Maybe they have some maturing to do. Maybe they're not as perfect as you are. But the call is to wait with them. To walk alongside with them. To not be pushing or shoving your agenda, your ways, your timeline. But to wait. Next one there is to be kind. Love is patient and kind. Uh, what comes to your mind when you think of kindness? Kindness is a, a graciousness. It's the attitude of, of putting the best construction on a situation. It's looking at someone with, with empathy, pity in your heart. Showing mercy to them. Having kindness. Treating them with love and dignity and respect. That's what, that's what it looks like to be godly friends. To show love that is kind. Paul writes there, also love is not boastful. You know, we we all, probably all can think of people like that. Where they want to let you know what they've been up to. They want to impress. And they want to try to uh, have the conversation be about them and their achievements. That's boasting. And there's no place for that in love. You don't go up to someone and, and show them love by telling them how great you are and, and therefore implying how not great they are. Maybe you would never do that. Maybe you would never go up to someone and tell them how, how, how not great they are. But when you just talk about yourself and all of the works that you've been doing, that's what you're implying. It's what you're telling them implicitly. And, and to not be boastful means dealing with the big eye in the room. Not lifting up self, not being prideful or arrogant, but recognizing that, that other people are are pretty awesome too. How about that uh, next one there? Not irritable. Your Bible may have not easily angered. How often are we quick to lose our tempers with those closest to us? How often are we, are we tempted to have our, our tempers flare when our spouse doesn't do things just the way we'd want or doesn't say things that we find uh, appropriate? Sometimes, instead of being patient with them, we are easily angered or irritated. We're irritable people sometimes. And what Paul says is that that's not godly. It's not godly to be easily irritated, to be easily angered. Whether it's with our spouses or our children or with members of the church. That's not how we show love to one another. Is it possible? That maybe God would have to do a work in your heart in some of these things. I know that when I go through these, even just in the first couple here, I'm already starting to realize there are areas in my heart and life that need to grow. The next one there is that it's not resentful. It keeps no records of wrong. question for you this morning is, is there wrong that you're holding on to? Has someone said something to you that was offensive? Has someone maybe mistreated you or done something against you and you are just holding on to that? You're unable to let it go. That hurt, pastor. Or I just really disagree with that, pastor. Are you holding on 
to records of wrong, a frustration that you're keeping hold of. Love doesn't do that, friends. Love does not do that. It doesn't matter if it's in the family, with your spouse, with your kids, with a brother, with a parent. It doesn't matter if it's in the church, with a brother and sister in Christ. Don't hold on to resentment. Keep records of wrongs. Instead, we forgive and we let go. We release things. We don't hold grudges. That's what it means to be godly. We see in verse 7 here that, that love, it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love is, is undying. It's going to be there through the thick and thin. No matter what somebody says or does, you're going to be there with them and for them. Maybe you look at those, th- those things listed there and that, that heart that Paul's trying to convey and maybe you stand back and go, yeah, that would be godliness. If you're living in that way, God is, is definitely working through you, Pastor. That's right. You know, when we look at these things, it's impossible for us to do this, to have this heart of love in and of ourselves. It takes God working in us to make us more like him. It takes the work of his son, Jesus. It takes a surrendered heart, a heart that says, God, come and do work in me. I know that I'm not perfect, but I need you. And it is worth it. It is worth it because this attribute of God, this love of God, it's the thing that doesn't pass away. It's the thing that people hold on to and remember. It's the thing that God uses for a lifetime to make an impact in people. It says in verse 8, love never ends. And as for prophecies, those, those awesome things that the pastor will, will say and do, the spiritual gifts that are given to people, they're going to pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Uh, we can just even do a quick experiment to demonstrate that. How many of you remember my first sermon here at Living Word? No, of course not. I don't even remember. It's been a year. I don't remember what I preached on last year. I, I rarely remember conversations that I had a month ago with people and the details. Maybe some general ones if they're really important. But Paul's point here is that these things that sometimes we hold up as, as big ultimate awesomeness, they pass away. Smart people die. But do you know what I remember? I remember those people who've loved me. I remember those people who have poured their life into my life. I remember those people who have sat with me through hard times and have been there through the thick and the thin. I remember those people who have brought me aside and spoken an encouraging word to me when I really needed it and have shown me love. And as Paul assesses the life of the church, that's what God's call is for you. You see, God wants to work a miracle in your heart by faith through his son, Jesus Christ. As you're walking with him, he wants to make you godly. He wants to make you more and more like him. To have love, love for your spouse, for your children, for your co-workers, for your church. And on your own, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible, friends. 
And, and so my prayer, my hope for you is that God would give you a new heart and new eyes. His Holy Spirit would be in, working in through you, sanctifying you, and that as a believer, these things are going to permeate through your life. That you would come to reflect the love of God and the, the core of who He is. And we see this love demonstrated very clearly to us, don't we? God has, has demonstrated this to us and has continued to demonstrate this on a very regular basis. He's demonstrated this through His Son. The one who came to love you in the state that you're in. The one who has come to give to you more than you ever deserved. One who's been patient with you in your sin. Patient with you as you, as you fail to get things sometimes in the Christian life. As you struggle with things, God doesn't just give up on you, walk away from you. He's patient with you. And He's demonstrated that through His Son, Jesus. He's kind to you. He, he doesn't treat you as your sins deserve, but He's generous and gracious to you. He, he has mercy upon you and empathy and pity, and He comes to the rescue. And we see that through His Son, Jesus. He is not keeping records of wrong. He, he's not up there going, oh, yep, this person sinned again. Well, they're out. No. We instead hear in Scripture that, that God has separated our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. God doesn't hold on to our, our sins. Those of us who are in Christ as new creations, God looks at, at us as redeemed and forgiven. His holy people. He doesn't keep records of wrong. He lets it go and he's forgiven it. You see, through Jesus, God bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. He endures all things because of his love for you. And this, then, friends, is, is the core of who God is. This attribute of showing love is a very central component to everything that is about our God. And primarily shown through the cross of Christ. If you ever wonder, what, what should my life look like? How, how should I be showing this love? Look to Jesus. He showed it. He, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Why? Because of his love for you. Even for those who, who were treating him unfairly, spitting in his face, mocking him, whipping him, beating him. He did not speak out against them. He didn't hold a grudge against them, but instead, even as he's taking his last breath from the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. See, that's the heart of our God. A heart of love for you and for me. And as we grow closer to the Lord, may we, Reflect that heart of love to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come and we looked at your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would do your work through your word in our hearts. That we, Lord, being sanctified by your Holy Spirit, would become more and more like you. And reflecting the love that you have first shown us, primarily through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. for listening to God's Word for today. If you are impacted by the message you've heard, please consider donating to the Ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church by visiting www.livingwordaflc.org.